from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. The U.S. is facing perhaps one of the biggest challenges from Russian and Chinese espionage than at any time in U.S. history. In my opinion, uh, I believe the FBI uh, feels um, strongly that it's not that Russia and China have uh, been raising the bar. They raised the bar several years ago. We are already uh, behind the curve, so to speak. Nancy McNamara, the assistant director in charge of the FBI's Washington field office. And not only are Russia and China increasing the frequency of their operations. Uh, both have very strong presence in the United States. Both have different uh, um, uh, types of operations and agendas. We'll find out where this critical situation stands coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. The Washington field office of the FBI is the second largest in the country. Approximately 1,700 people work there. This particular field office is responsible for the geographic area that encompasses the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia. It's also responsible for investigating violations of U.S. law and violence against U.S. citizens in the Far East and the Middle East. While to some, internationally generated threats are normally perceived to be far more dangerous than those that originate here in the Washington area, recent activity suggests the U.S.'s enemies, or adversaries as some would prefer to call them, like Russia and China, are altering that script. In, in my opinion, uh, I believe the FBI uh, feels um, strongly that it's not that Russia and China have uh, been raising the bar. They raised the bar several years ago. We are already uh, behind the curve, so to speak. Uh, both have very strong presence in the United States. Both have different uh, um, uh, types of operations and agendas. Nancy McNamara started her FBI career at the New York field office in 1996 and has worked her way through the system with stops in Los Angeles and Milwaukee and several assignments at FBI headquarters. And along the way, she's gathered first-hand knowledge of the kinds of espionage threats Russia and China present. Uh, China obviously seeks uh, to... Um, improve their technology, their industry, um, their um, regulatory and uh, legal processes uh, to um, surpass the United States uh, as the world leader uh, in, in industry and te technology. The proof of what McNamara speaks of was delivered in July of 2015 when the FBI released a video called Company Man. It was based on a true story and it was designed to be a cautionary tale for American businesses. 
I was hoping that we could discuss the position that's opening up. You will, of course, be seriously considered. If you manufacture in China, you save on transportation and labor costs. Robert Moore? Mr. Moore, I was just going to see if you were happy with your work. Hey, I just found two trespassers taking pictures of the factory. It's a way simply making a legitimate business offer. We just can't pretend this didn't happen. It's a threat to the company. We've got your back on this. If it isn't you, it'll be another company. Here is your money. I've never seen so much. We haven't spent 20 years building this company to have them steal what we've created. You need a Chinese partner. Think of it as a vacation, an adventure. You want to do what? It is a win-win. Go, go, go! You called about a job in China? I'd like to hear a little more about it. The video highlighted how Chinese agents used social engineering to persuade American business people to illegally sell them intellectual property. And it was a part of a massive increase in Chinese efforts to use social media business networking sites to trick, in some cases, unwitting employees of companies to hand over their company's most valuable trade secrets, and in other cases, to entice people willing to take money from Chinese government agents to secretly sell out their employers. In July of 2015, FBI Assistant Director in Charge of Counterintelligence, Randy Coleman, confirmed the problem that McNamara now wrestles with. What we're seeing uh, through the intelligence we're collecting uh, and the investigations uh, that we have ongoing right now, we are seeing a significant growing threat to the U.S. economy. And as a result of that, we felt it so important to make sure that we communicate with the public and corporate America to advise them and educate them on, on, on this growing threat and the mounting losses as it relates to economic espionage. So that's really why we're doing it. 53% uh, was a number that you used. Uh, put that number in context and tell us where it came from. So the 53% uh, is an increase that we're seeing from where we were at this time last year. The number of cases, investigations that the FBI is involved with, there's been a 53% increase. And, uh, you know, as I, man as, I, as I talked about that earlier, I think there's really three reasons why. Number one is the FBI uh, has completely integrated an intelligence apparatus into our operational um, effort. And so we're able to be more aggressive, more proactive, and more predictive in everything that we do. Uh, next, I think the world's very unstable uh, right now, and as a result, you see hostile intelligence services that are far more aggressive than they've ever been uh, to collect uh, information. Um, and then next, the FBI has had a, had a great uh, effort at trying to develop relationships with corporate America. And so our leads uh, and referrals that are coming in uh, have grown. And so corp there's a trust uh, that's going on between corporate America and the FBI. And as a result, uh, our, our, you know, that's letting us get involved in cases much earlier. That interview took place in July of 2015. And since then... Chinese economic espionage efforts have continued to trend upward. Cybersecurity experts say Chinese-linked hackers, agents, and proxies have tried to steal everything that isn't nailed down in the U.S. And that's only half of the worst of all of the counterintelligence challenges the Washington field office of the FBI faces. McNamara says Russia has a whole different skill set and objective. Russia 
uh, has a slightly different uh, agenda, as uh, recently seen in some um, media reporting. Uh, there have been um, personnel who have come to the United States to act on behalf of, of Russian officials or people closely tied to the Rus Russian government who seek to uh, cause divisiveness um, among law enforcement, uh, um, in the community, uh, to undermine our elections. Um, and um, we also have to be very mindful of the fact that these countries uh, are often affiliated uh, and work closely with some of our, uh, uh, some other countries who are enemies uh, of the United States, such as Iran. Have you arrested any of those people that you re referenced that have come to the U.S. acting on behalf of the Russian Federation? trying to interfere with U.S. elections and other governmental and constitutional and other U.S. activities? Yes, uh, the FBI has a long record of arresting and or expelling uh, individuals who have uh, sought to attack the uh, United States through a variety of, of means on behalf of the Russian government. Uh, most recently, the Washington Field Office arrested Maria Butina um, and uh, she is alleged to have also facilitated acts against the United States on behalf of Russian officials. Actually, by the time this interview was conducted on December 17, 2018, Butina had already pled guilty to acting as a foreign agent in the U.S. and was awaiting a sentencing hearing. Hers is a bizarre case that caught many off guard. She was an American University graduate student who had successfully penetrated political circles in Washington and across the country. When she was arrested in July of 2017, the Kremlin and many across the U.S. claimed she was an innocent young woman who was being railroaded by the U.S. government. But there was something about Butina that wasn't quite right to those who had the chance to observe her closely. The FBI had that chance, but there were others as well. One of those people... Andy Lalwani, her American University classmate. I was so intrigued because I realized I'd had a class with her. Um, I had come across Facebook and a lot of my former classmates in, in this finance course I took my last semester of college were posting like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that this girl would be a Russian spy. Like, is it true? And it just kind of made you think like, wow, how did I not not see this coming, but definitely something stood out about her. What class was it? When was it? What time of day was the class? And give us the, the nitty-gritty details about the class. Yeah, so the class was like a finance course, very, very introductory finance course, 230. And it was taught by a professor named Will Armistead. There's about 26 students and like Tuesdays and Fridays each morning from 810 to 935. So nobody wants to be there. Nobody's really paying attention much. And if they are, they're trying to figure out how to pass the class. So I remember at the time, every morning I'd be very exhausted, like waking up and talking about hard finance concepts. And she would be very eager to learn and very willing to talk to the professor. And as the class went on, people started realizing the professor was very pro-Trump. And I think she started realizing that as well and maybe had conversations with him about things outside of finance after class. But um, it seemed really weird for her to be in the course. She was talking about her past life at times and um, didn't always reveal a lot, but she said like her family owned a furniture store at one point and finance was really important to her because she wanted to learn about how to help that store and 
she was on her, I believe, second or third master's degree or something of the sort. So it just seemed a little off for her to be in the course itself. I think you said this is an introductory class? Yes, that's correct. So a lot of students would have to take it as a requirement um, to fulfill their minor or their major. It's not something that really anybody wants to take at a college level. Right. So, um, so, so if she already had two or three masters, why would she need to do that again? Right. I think it was very confusing for anybody to be taking that who was, I believe she's 29, and I had not realized she was that old also. I thought she was younger and, you know, like maybe she never took a finance course and her other degrees, but it definitely started to become a little skeptical. Skepticism is the least of what U.S. law enforcement sources that Target USA spoke to felt while this case was going on. One of the most important questions after she emerged on the radar of U.S. authorities, and it remains a big question even now, was how many more like her are there in the U.S. now? McNamara will address that question when we come back on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Imagine the home you've always known sinking into oblivion. We want to save a community, a a way of life. A Virginia island, population 460, is being swallowed by the Chesapeake Bay. The first full-fledged town that's probably going to get lost to sea level rise in America. Can disaster be stopped? Should it be? Shall the Lord destroy Tangier? Going Under, the story of Tangier Island. Available on Podcast One, iTunes, and at goingunderpodcast.com. This is a Target USA moment. Episode One, the show that started it all. Almost every morning here in Washington, the Director of National Intelligence goes to the White House to brief the President about the threats and the challenges the U.S. is facing. It's called the President's Daily Briefing, and Clapper gave us a look at his office at how he gets prepared to do that. Get up at 5, 5.30 and start right away you know, reading the news clips and that sort of thing, get in the car. Protective detail brings me in and I start reading the uh, iPad that we have for the President's Daily Brief. And Clapper, who's been gathering intelligence for more than a half century, says what he's seeing now is not good. In the 50 plus years, I don't know the time when we've been beset by a more diverse array of challenges and crises uh, around the world. Uh, sometimes it al- almost makes you long for the halcyon days of the Cold War and uh, a single all-consuming adversary, the Soviet Union, which we came to understand pretty well. This has been a Target USA moment. Episode number one. Download it. Relive it. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. And on this episode, an exclusive interview with Nancy McNamara, Assistant Director in Charge of the Washington Field Office of the FBI. She talks with us about the challenges and the threats the FBI and the Washington region face. At the top of the list right now appears to be nation-state threats like Russia and China. Before the break... We heard her talk about the Maria Butina case. And now that Butina's pled guilty to acting as a foreign agent in the U.S., the question is now, how many more like her are there here in the area and in the U.S.? How, how would you characterize the, the number or the amount of, of, of people who've come here or who are here 
to engage in that kind of activity. I think it's best not to think of it in terms of who's actually here, because we also know from recent cases, such as the Mallory investigation out of the Eastern District of Virginia, that the Russians and the Chinese use um, social engineering uh, to convince people to share information with them, whether they're doing it wittingly or unwittingly. And so you can't think of the problem necessarily as individuals in the U.S. Uh, You have to think of it as much broader uh, with people behind computers located uh, throughout the world who are attempting to do the exact same thing. I spoke with a a gentleman several months ago. Uh, His name is Marat Mindyarov. And Marat is a former troll. He worked at the 55 Solveshkina Street building, which is known, according to the U.S. government, as the, the Internet Research Agency, which is where a lot of activity took place that you're, you're alluding to. Do you get the sense? Uh, well, let me ask this way. Uh, how sophisticated would you say this operation to do what they've been trying to do, in addition to the people that may be here or the assets human assets they may have here. How sophisticated would you say this operation Russia has put together over the years has become in terms of trying to attack the U.S. in these various different ways? Well, first I'd actually ask you if you could tell us where he is. (laughs) But um, they are very sophisticated. Um, China and Russia uh, uh, both have um, an extreme uh, and vast uh, force of personnel who Uh, are quite capable uh, technically, and um, they are uh, tasked uh, solely to do just that, to, uh, again, cause disruption to the United States, whether it's through the election process, through through divisiveness. Um, These uh, individuals actually work for the government, uh, and so uh, it is a very broad and vast um, workforce and therefore a very broad and vast problem for us. Now, how would you compare with their skill set to the Chinese skill set, or is it apples and oranges? I can't say uh, with 100% certainty, uh, but both the Chinese and Russia skill sets are formidable uh, and equal or uh, at times better than the United States because, again, we follow international law. We follow rules and regulations. They do not. So you take that talent and you allow individuals to do whatever they want in any method or manner they want, uh, e- even if it's illegal, gives them a great power over, over us. How would you assess the FBI's dedication to go find all of these elements, deal with all of these threats that have come up since the 2016 election discovery by the intelligence community that Russia was engaged in this, that, or the other? We know what China's doing and Iran and North Korea. Can you characterize just how, how motivated your team and your folks are to, to deal with this? Because it's very clear the U.S. has been under attack. And as you mentioned before, perhaps we even realized it. FBI personnel are extremely motivated to defeat and mitigate the threats called, caused by our foreign adversaries. Their loyalty uh, to the U.S. government and to the people of the United States Um, outweighs the frustration uh, that they often feel uh, in trying to, again, mitigate or investigate these these crimes. 
they're very hard to investigate. Uh, as I mentioned, we have legal processes that um, are sometimes um, obstacles in our ability to uh, uh, take action. But our agents and our support personnel uh, work uh, diligently and tirelessly day in, day out. Uh, as I mentioned, these are also threats that are not new. These individuals have been uh, working these cases for many, many years. It's only now that they have really come to the public's attention, uh, and they will continue, uh, and we will continue to direct our resources to these, these priority threats. Have you seen any change in the last five years or so that would suggest to you uh, that the Russian threat, the Chinese threat, is more is more problematic. I and mean, you already mentioned the social media piece. They can kind of reach past some of the protections that American citizens have had in the past because they don't have to come here. But have you seen, from your own perspective, any a more aggressive uh, threat because of social media, or is it other? Or are there other factors that have made them more aggressive, or are you seeing them be more aggressive at all? I think the threat has become greater due to social media and, and the involvement of the internet um, in, in total. It allows threat countries to reach into the United States and our people uh, and our industries, our databases, et cetera, as we've seen through uh, the numerous uh, hacks that have occurred over, over the years, again, without crossing into our borders or into our space. Uh, and those individuals, um, once they are in a foreign country, um, it is very difficult for us to uh, uh, bring them back to the U.S. Um, to prosecute them. And so, uh, yes, the, the threat has um, grown. Uh, I would also add that um, the United States um, and some industries have been uh, um, immune to the threat of, of China. and. Many industries are willing to look past the China threat for uh, profit. And as we have allowed China to increase its investments in the U.S., uh, to uh, increase our, uh, their student uh, population in the U.S. and their researchers, uh, we have uh, caused the um, gap in the, um, uh, our leading technical and industry uh, to narrow uh, as they have gained more momentum um, in, in the U.S. You mentioned something very interesting about people from China being here in the U.S., and there is no rule against that, and we as U.S. citizens are always happy to have people come here from other countries because we're all immigrants. The idea is, what are you doing? And are you doing what you're supposed to be doing legally. But one thing you mentioned is something that I've heard numerous times within the past couple of years, and that is the diversification of China's, China's threat model, using people who are not just agents or people involved in the Chinese intelligence community, but using professors, using students, using businessmen, businesswomen. Um, non-traditional actors to act on their behalf, or cutouts, as I think you might refer to it. Our interview with Randy Coleman, you've heard some of it already in this podcast, was the first time that we had heard about this phenomenon. Back in July of 2015, he talked about China's diversification 
It's something we we talk about uh, amongst the U.S. intelligence community. It's asymmetric threat, right? It's not your typical uh, intelligence officers that are that are here under diplomatic cover, you know, the normal, what somebody thinks of as a spy. What we're seeing is researchers uh, and business uh, men and women, students that are coming to the United States that are actually collecting information and taking it back overseas with them. You mentioned during your briefing China. Can you give us some uh, context on that? Right. So, so the FBI, as I mentioned, uh, we develop our caseload, our investigative work through the intelligence we collect and then also the referrals that we get from companies. And as I mentioned uh, earlier about China, when you take a look at the cases we're investigating, the intelligence we've, we've collected, you take a look at historically the cases that have been adjudicated, China is absolutely the, the, the dominant uh, threat as it, come, as it relates to economic espionage. And we're not just talking about the preponderance of people. You're also talking about the involvement of the government. Right. This is nation, uh, state-sponsored espionage. Um, and, uh, you know, many times it's hard to actually make that nexus through investigations, and, and so you end up uh, into a trade secret theft investigations. But uh, the, the nexus is certainly there. That interview, three and a half years ago, predicted essentially what we're living through right now the Chinese problem when it comes to economic espionage. McNamara confirms it, but she's also very careful about how she frames the problem. Yes, but I'd like to be very clear that uh, uh, this is not about all Chinese immigrants. Uh, As granddaughters of uh, 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 immigrants from Italy, uh, I certainly um, uh, support and uh, consider myself uh, uh, obviously a product of, of immigration. But the Chinese government has been very clear in their uh, uh, 2025 Made in China notice uh, that uh, as a country, uh, they um, are using cutouts. Um, Researchers, uh, students, collaborations within the U.S., investments in science and technology, um, in addition to their uh, typical intelligence services and recruitment efforts as a means of Um, uh, developing China into the world leader in science and technology by year 2025. The problems that the FBI Washington field office has to deal with are far too numerous to get into in this one podcast. So, as a result, on our next episode, Nancy McNamara, assistant director in charge of the Washington field office of the FBI, will tell us what keeps her up at night. Well, there are two things that keep me up at night. Find out what they are and much more on our next episode of Target USA. And as we enter a new year, I want to really thank you for all of your support throughout the years and certainly last year. If you have any questions or comments, send me an email. The letter J, the color green, one word, at WTOP.com. That's jgreen at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. Jay Green at WTOP.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And a big shout out to all on our team who make this podcast possible. Joe Oxley, Greg Strassel, Tiffany Arnold, Nahal Amusada, and Julia Ziegler. Thanks very much. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA, the national security podcast.
Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.